Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Well, good morning and happy New Year's, Sojourn. I hope that you all had a wonderful Christmas celebrating the birth of our Savior and that you are enjoying and anticipating a great uh, new year. Let's all just be honest. We're ready to say goodbye to 2020. There was no tears, I would imagine, of saying goodbye to that year. And so we're anticipating uh, this new year in 2021, even though we know there's going to be some uh, ongoing challenges and kind of some wave effects of COVID-19. But I know we're looking forward to the new year. Uh, Although I did see a meme this week, it actually had um, Will Smith when he was on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, not the new remake, but the original, that said, does anyone else feel troubled by the fact that the name of the new year is literally 2021? And so I think we all can understand the humor in that. But on a serious note, we are so glad that you are here with us and hope that you will stick around for 2021. Just get a ch- give us a chance. Get a chance to uh, know who we are. Give a church a chance. Maybe that you've decided to tune in this morning uh, for the very first time to a church or maybe uh, to, just to check out uh, what Sojourn Church is all about. Uh, go ahead and type in the chat bar where it is that you're tuning in from. I know that we have people uh, scattered all over the country and sometimes people from other countries. So go ahead and just let us know where it is that you are tuning in from this morning as We'd love to try to interact on our chat bar as much as we're able uh, throughout the service. We often say around here at Sojourn that we are a group of ordinary people changed by the love of Jesus in the context of family that are living out his mission to our community, our city, and our world. Now, practically, we do this by living out our three values. Now, sometimes people ask me, why do you only have three values at Sojourn? Well, one, we can complicate things, but I believe that through our three values, every other value that you can find at other churches, and those aren't bad, but they all fall underneath, um, kind of our umbrella underneath these three values. And so as a reminder, our first value is gospel. We believe that the good news of Jesus that is for all people and the journey that we are inviting people on in the city of Portland as we all learn what it means to follow Jesus faithfully. Our second value is family, that We operate as a family of servant missionaries that have been changed by Jesus, which means that we put the needs of others before our own needs, the the needs of one another in sojourn, and even the needs of our community. Our third value is mission. We are on mission both here locally to the city of Portland and globally around our nation and other countries around the world to serve our community and to see apprentices and disciples of Jesus made. Our vision and values are birthed out of Scripture which is why they actually don't really change that much from year to year, because Scripture doesn't change. What does change is we, we mature each year, and, and we kind of evolve into our vision and our values as a church. 2020 was a difficult year in our church. As it seemed like one year ago, uh, if I look back, it was like a chain of events, almost like dominoes that started in the beginning of January that was the equivalent of us getting sucker punched in the stomach and just never fully being able to catch our breath. It feels that in many ways that 2020 took the wind out of our sails and that any momentum we previously had was all but lost. Now, let me be clear, because I don't want this to come across as a discouraging message, but let me be clear what I'm about to say. We are not, as a church, in a crisis. We are at a crossroads. Now, January is typically a time for restarts. This is when people restart their diets, which 
note taken. I need to do that. This is a time for, for new beginnings and Typically, people get their new calendar books. I'm usually one who gets it mine in like October prior to January. Although after 2020, I wasn't really sure when to get it and what to put on the calendar. But it's a, it's a time of new beginnings as we as we plan for the new year, as we try to look at all of regrets and mistakes and put them in the past and go forward for our new year in front of us. Now, our rhythm at Sojourn for the last couple of years has been that we revisit our vision every single January as we look at the new year ahead and we want to keep the practices and values that will define us as a church in front of us. Regardless of what happened last year, Sojourn is still inviting the city of Portland on a journey of learning what it means to follow Jesus. Regardless of the pandemic and anything else that happened last year, none of that stopped. That stayed consistent. And I'm here to tell you, as long as I'm leading this church, it's going to stay that way into the future. And how do we do this? We do this by extending an invitation to those around us. Regardless of race, regardless of gender or socioeconomic status or, or culture, we invite everyone to join us to experience the freedom and family found at the table of Jesus. This is that journey that we invite everyone on because we are also on this journey. It's on this journey that we believe at this table people will find a place to belong, a journey to be taken where all things are being made new and united by Jesus. So we're at a crossroads. And so here's my crossroads question for us. During this crossroads, we have found ourselves. I've been asking myself several questions that are filtered through our values of gospel, family, and mission. And I want us to look at those as a church body this morning. So as we get ready to look into these questions, let me pray for us, and then we'll go in further. God, I want to thank you for this new year. God, I know we can look back at a lot of heartache and complaints for 2020. But God, you sustained us. We are still here. God, some of us had more loss than others. Some of us didn't have as much loss. But God, as we will see even this morning, our rest, our trust, our hope, it lies in you. God, the one who is overall, nothing took you by surprise in 2020 and nothing will take you by surprise in 2021. So God, I ask as we recenter our hearts on you and as we relook at our vision as a church, that God, you would take us deeper in the, our understanding of the gospel, our relationship with you. God, that you would take us deeper as a family of servant missionaries on mission. And God, that you would give us tangible opportunities, both locally and globally, as we make disciples that make disciples. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen, church. So the first question I want us to look at is, is the gospel actually good news and necessary? God truly humbled the American church in 2020, as many found themselves uncertain of what to do. If they could not gather in a brick and mortar building on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., like what, what do we do as a church? Many churches had to ask themselves that. Now as a church plant, I don't think that was really us, but still as a church broadly, that was kind of the question. 2020 revealed a lot about the church in America as a whole, and it, it gave each church, us included, a chance to reevaluate what it means to be the church, and for us, what it means to be the church in Portland. At some point, I started asking God myself, are we going to make it? Are we as a church going to make it? Now, this is one of those questions that I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Church planners ask themselves this question all the time. Because there's a high percentage of church plants that do not make it past two or three years. And so church planners ask themselves 
this regularly, but we were told that we're not supposed to share that with anyone else. But I started asking myself, as a small church plant in a very underchurched city in the least religious, most atheistic city in our nation, could we actually survive 2020 as we watched and heard the stories of other churches closing their doors around us? And over the last several months, to answer that question, I've sought the Lord. I've met with our board of directors. I've had conversations of with other pastors and leaders in the city. And as a result, Sojourn, I have come to the conclusion that the gospel is not only good news and news, but it's absolutely needed in our neighborhood, in our city, and our world. Seriously, what else are we going to do and turn to when the crap hits the fan like it did last year? I know we're all looking forward to this new year, but we have no guarantee. I think there might be this form of PTSD of like, what if 2021 looks exactly like 2020? Or what if, God forbid, what if it looks worse? The reality is we don't actually know. We don't think it will, but we don't actually know because none of us anticipated a year ago that 2020 would look the way that it did. And so what else are you going to lean on when we have another year like that? Your own strength, you'll fail. Your job, well, you'll probably get laid off. The government, they're only going to give us so many stimulus packages. Drinking, it'll let you down. Smoking, it'll either give you cancer or momentary high. Skiing, well, it's only decent halfway half the year anyway, and you'll probably get injured. Your own health, well, how did that work out for you in 2020? And so practically as a church, what this means is that we will rely even more on Jesus and focus more on the gospel in 2021 because we need it. Sojourn, our our city needs it, our world needs it, and there is no other solution. I think about all the storylines that define 2020 and all the storylines that defined our city, and I keep looking, there is no other answer There will never be enough protests. There will never be enough outcries to solve these issues and these problems. There's only one solution, and it lies in the person and work of Jesus Christ in the gospel message that is for all people. When Jesus told his disciples they were salt of the earth in Matthew 5, 13, he was not talking of the ground that they were walking on, but he was talking about society. Just as salt can only help the meat, if it retains its saltiness, Jesus added that we can only help the world if we retain our integrity. And so if we, as Christians in the city of Portland, become just like everyone else in our city, then we can't help our city. Here's what I mean by that. I've watched numerous churches. I've watched numerous other leaders and pastors in ministry who, who in turn say, you know, it'll just be easier if we were just like the city. And we'll just slap a cross on it and, and, and maybe have a gathering on Sunday just like the city. And my heart, I have a growing conviction as a leader, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. So if we as Christians in in Portland, we can only in love and benefit our city and our culture if we are different from it. If we maintain our Christian identity rather than adopt a secular one. And that's what Jesus meant when he said that we are the salt of the earth. Practically, we're going to, to go and serve and engage in a few different ways. One is by being public with our faith in our relationships. I know that this is a really hard city to do that. That sometimes you want to shy away from your faith and not mention your faith. And I'm not saying you have to mention it the very first conversation. I'm saying discern with the Spirit of the Lord, but it shouldn't be a secret for very long that you are a Christ follower. That as a Christ follower, there is no secular and sacred divide in the life of a Christian. The second way that we're going to do this is by integrating your faith with your work. We are all ministers where we live, work, and play. And the third way we're going to do this is by working and compassion in our neighborhood and our city. Now, we heard a lot about justice and compassion 
last year, but we're actually going to work towards that in our neighborhood, in our city. And this is why we have partnerships in the city to work towards that in. And even though we are in the least religious, most atheistic city in our nation, I am convinced that many people in our communities, they don't actually have an ax to grind when it comes to the gospel. And in my experience, yes, there are a lot of atheists here, so don't mishear me. And if you're one of those, you're tuning in, we are so glad that you're tuning in with us. But I've also had this other percentage of people in our city that they just don't know one way or the other, maybe don't care one way or the other. They're just simply totally unaware of the Christian message. They're, they're, in a sense, uneducated when it comes to the gospel. They think the gospel is something that they, they saw on TV or, or, or maybe they were taught when they were a kid, but they don't really have the actual true understanding. And here's what I want to tell us as a church. Church, it isn't their responsibility to seek us out. It's not the responsibility to tune in online. If you are, we're grateful you're here. It's not the responsibility to, to look us up and find the Oregon Stamp Society building and show up on a Sunday. Once again, if you showed up, we are great. But it is the church's responsibility to go and find the people. And so I want to continue to push us out of our, our gathering space and time and almost flip things inside out and push us out and send us out as missionaries, as ministers to the people in our city as we move into our new year. The second question I've been asking myself and want us to wrestle through as a church is, will Sojourn really function like and be a family? I often wonder what Christians in the United States will need to leave in order to embrace the adventure that God has before us. And then I often wonder what, what we as Sojourn will need to leave behind in our ideals in order to embrace the adventure that God has set before us and for us to actually become family. As I've taken some time over the last week to reflect back on 2020, as I imagine you have done the same at home with your family, I wonder what God might be stripping away so that we can cling desperately and helplessly only to him. In order to function like a family, we will need to push one another to do what is right and not just what is comfortable. In 2021, I want to invite you to sacrifice, maybe for the very first time, or, or, or maybe what prompted you to move here or, or to be part of Sojourn, that you would say, you know what, I'm going to sacrificially press in and be part of this family, even when it gets hard. Because here's what happen times, often happens. It'll get hard and people just leave because they don't want to go through the messiness. But if you ever study the New Testament, look at all these churches that were planted by the Apostle Paul, they all got messy. And so I'm not here to tell you it's going to be a cookie cutter and nice and clean cut church family. There's going to be times it's going to be, it's going to be some hard uh, conversations. We're going to have to say, man, pull a, uh, a chair up to the table and let's, let's kind of get through this messiness. But that will be better for on the other side because reality is, Aside from Jesus, we're all fallen. And so there's going to be times it's going to be messy, but are you willing to sacrifice and put in the hard work of what it means to be a family of servant missionaries on mission together? And just as with any family, we all have a role. And one of those roles is that the gospel is the job of every single one of us in this church. The church in America, at some point we made a mistake. And people started thinking that the gospel ministry was only for the paid workers or only for the job of the pastor. But the gospel is everyone's mission. It's literally been handed to every single one of us to now go and share, just like someone shared with us. And so we all have this gospel responsibility, regardless of your vocation, regardless of where your paycheck comes from. In fact, we all have two vocations. We have one vocation, which is to put food on the table, kind of keep a roof over our heads. And the other vocation is to serve our community in the name and power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Think of it this way. The church is the functioning body of Christ in community. It's not a Sunday service. And so that's why even last week, you know, there's once or twice a year we, 
we will take a break, kind of a, a rest, a Sabbath, if you would, from, from our Sunday gathering. Now, some think that we shouldn't do that, and some may even be critical of us doing that. But part of the reason we do that is, is one, to be reminded that we function as a body, the church, outside of just a gathering. And so we want to, we want to show that just that 60 to 90 minutes of our gathering, what we're doing this morning right now, that is not what defines us as a church. Now, it does say, and they gathered, and we believe in gathering and the preaching of the word and the worship and song and, and the sacraments, but we don't want it to be defined by just that time. We want this to be an everyday, 24-7 relationship with Jesus and a church community. Ephesians, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. It says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Of this passage, theologian Marcus Barth called this the constitution of the church and considered verses in 11 and 12 as the way in which the church is organized for gospel movement, specifically referring to what is commonly referred to as apest. Now, some of you hear apest and you think, is that some kind of toothpaste or what are you talking about? Apest simply stands for apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Now, let me give you a brief definition of each of those because depending on your church background or the denomination or tribe that you come from, you might be thinking all kinds of things and warning signs might be going up when you hear those things. So first off, apostle, technically this referred to the original 12 that followed Jesus, those who actually physically saw him and walked with him, which we no longer have these type of apostles, which I call capital A apostles. Apostles can also be broadly defined as those that are sent, sent out, kind of sent ones who proclaimed and plants the gospel in new places. Not always, but often these will go overseas missionaries and church planters, which I call little a apostolic in nature. And so that would be one of the roles that I would take and kind of from this passage, one of those giftings. I'm a little a apostolic leader who's who's willing to go to new areas such as Portland or South Asia and to plant the gospel and see new churches started as a result. Then we have the prophet. The prophet is one who communicates God's truth to God's people. This isn't necessarily new revelation as some um, tribes like to claim and kind of get out there and kind of whacked out theology sometimes. But think about it. They're proclaiming God's truth to God through what God has already proclaimed. Third is the evangelist. Those who are gifted in proclaiming the gospel. Now, we are all called to evangelize. So this doesn't give you a, a get out of evangelism card. But some are uniquely gifted in this area. And so this is actually one of my second uh, strong areas is evangelism. And then we have the shepherd, or, or more commonly referred to as the pastor, one who oversees and cares for God's people. And then we have the teacher, one who instructs God's people in truth. Now, there have been much debate over the years as to whether these roles still exist, whether they were given to every Christ follower, or if these roles were only given to leaders within the church. The giver of these gifts is Jesus Christ himself. And we see that every single follower of Christ receives giftings for different purposes. And so let me go and tell you that you do have giftings, and God has gifted you and wired you in certain ways that no one else has that. No one has the identical giftings that you have in order for you to reach the people that God has placed around you. And these giftings listed are roles that Jesus uses to make himself known through us. Now, the purpose that we see in these ministries is they are roles given for certain individuals to live out as Christ builds up the church. The work of the leader, then, is to equip others in the work of ministry. And so as we see that there are some who are apostles, there are some who are prophets, there are some who are evangelists, and there are some who are shepherds, and there are some who are teachers. And together, what they make up is the equipping of all the church. 
Now, one of, one of my uh, kind of goals and aspirations and even kind of visions of our church is that we would eventually have a leadership team that is made up of APEST. In other words, we have a team that's made up of all of these specific roles because the reality is that none of us have all of them. I know that I don't have all of them. And so once we get to that place that we'd have a more holistic leadership team and that we'd have a more holistic church, but each of them together, they play their part and then those around them are quit by these ministries at work. So an example is that living as an evangelist isn't just about sharing the gospel with people. It's primarily about helping share the gospel, helping others share the gospel with those around them. So even as one of my roles, one of my, one of my high giftings is that of an evangelist. And so part of my role is helping equip you for evangelism so that you can share with your friends and colleagues and, 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 and family. And then being a teacher isn't just about helping others get rooted in the knowledge and understanding what God has been declared. Rather, it's helping others teach those that they're discipling to walk with Jesus. So once again, one of my roles as, as the primary teacher of Sojourn is to help you get more rooted, not just so that you can fill out a notebook and get filled with more head knowledge, but so that you can also be equipped to go then and take those truths and those teachings and teach those who you are discipling because we're all called to share the gospel. We're all called to go and make disciples. And then Christ has given gifts to all believers but he has given the gift of leadership to some within the church to do the equipping. But he also gives the church, if you look back at verse 12, he gives the church the gift of you. And so what we see is that most often when people hear the term ministry, they automatically think the person who's speaking on stage or the paid professional or the individual who went to seminary. So a lot of times if you hear ministry at Sojourn, you think of me, right? But that is not what this text is actually saying. Now, it does refer to the equippers, those roles we just went over, but it says that if you are in Christ, meaning you are a Christ follower, you are a Christian, then you also are a gift to the church and you are called into ministry. Now, for some of you, that might be really scary that you have been called into ministry and you didn't even realize it. Or maybe this is a brand new idea or concept, maybe something you didn't even realize you were signing up for when you said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. But before you freak out and go, hop off our website and look on another uh, church's website to join their church. It doesn't tell you this. The day that you became a Christian, so if that was yesterday, if that's this morning, if that was five years ago or 10 years ago, uh, even now, just think about when it was that you became a Christ follower. The day that you became a Christian is the day that you were called into full-time ministry. Okay? If I need to give you a certificate, I'll, I'll hand make some and, and deliver to them to you this week. And so sojourn, that goes in hand with us being built on the foundation of ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. That takes every single one of us. And so what does that mean for us practically? What does that mean as we enter this new year? That means that I'm only one of the ministers of Sojourn Church. And most of you will have opportunities to minister in places amongst people who I will never have a chance to minister to. And that's awesome. I don't need to be the one that ministers to your coworkers. I don't need to be the one who ministers to your family members. I don't need to be the one who ministers to your neighbors. You know why? Because you're there. They have a minister already right there in their context. My job then is to help equip all of us for the work of ministry. And so one of the things we're going to hopefully do a little bit better this year and do more of is equipping. You know, right now we're going through the book uh, Kingdom First in our gospel community. And some of you might be going, why are we going through this book? Part of we're going through that book is because it's equipping. It's helping us all realize that as a team of servant missionaries, that we all have a role and part to play. And so if you consider Sojourn Church your home church, then 
you are a minister of this church. So I know if you go on our website, you're going to say, well, how, you know, your face is on there, so you must be the only minister. Every single one of us is a minister. I can either add all of us or I can just take myself down if that's what it means in order to get us all into the gospel ministry. And so then we see these various giftings from verse 11 that, that says we are to equip the saints, which includes all Christians, so that they can do the work of ministry. Now, note, all Christians have spiritual gifts that are used in ministering to one another. This is equipping. This is called discipleship. And according to this passage in Ephesians, which if you're with us, I think it was a year and a half, two years ago, we went through the entire book of Ephesians. You can find those sermons on our podcast or on our website. But we went through the book of Ephesians, and the church is the plan A. There is no plan B. And that's where God has put his power and where he lives with his body, the church. And so if you think, man, what is the hope for the world? What is the hope for our city? The church through Jesus is that hope. This is plan A. There is no backup plan. Now, once again, in 2020, it gave churches a chance to reevaluate. I don't always equate what we do as the American church as church, meaning there's, there's things that aren't prescribed or described that we should or shouldn't be doing. There's freedom to do some of those things, but they're not necessarily essential. And so I think some of those things have been refined and are continuing to be refined in the church as a whole. But the point being that the church is God's plan A. A former pastor of mine, would, he would regularly point out that 39 of the 40 miracles in the book of Acts happened outside the walls of the church. Outside the walls of the church. That's incredible. So that, when you look at it, you go, where's the power of God? The power of God is in you. It's in me. It's, it's in all of us who are in Christ. And here's an interesting thought. Never in the New Testament is the world commanded to come into the church. Okay? So we're not a, a, an attractional church here. And what I mean by that is we don't go out of our way necessarily to do a, a, a big show to attract people here on the weekends. The reality is in a city like ours, it wouldn't work. And even if it would work, it, it, we couldn't compete with the few churches who are already able to pull that off because we just don't have the people or or the money, or or the facilities, or any of that stuff. But we're never to command in the New Testament to, for, to come into the church. The church, however, us, the body, we're frequently commanded to go into the world. And so as we start this new year, I want to make sure that all of us feel equipped to obey the Great Commission by going and making disciples. So will the gospel be proclaimed here on Sunday when we gather? Yes, absolutely. Do I fervently believe in discipleship and that that can even happen within our Sunday gathering? Absolutely. But I believe that the majority of gospel proclamation and the majority of discipleship will happen outside of what we do here on Sunday, whether it's at the Stanton Building or whether it's online. And I believe that it actually should be that way. I've said this for probably two years now. I look at our Sunday gatherings as more of a celebration, a time that we can come together, that we can sing some songs of praise, that we can share stories with one another. I know it's a little bit harder on online, but we can share stories with one another, that we can dive into the Word to see what Word God has for us fresh this week. And then we can, almost like getting in a football huddle, and we can say, one, two, three, team, go. And then we send each other out and say, kind of say, sojourners. And we send each other out back into the everyday norms and networks of our life. And that's where gospel ministry is going to happen. I've said this probably for the last two Januaries. And I say, how are we going to regain our footing? Or how are we going to grow as a church? That is how we're going to grow. We're, we're not necessarily going to grow by inviting people on Sundays. I'm not saying don't invite, because I still think you can do an invite. And some people might even show up. But the way that we're going to grow is by every single one of us going, man, I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is my role. It is my responsibility to go and to make disciples of the people where I live, on my street, of where I work, my coworkers, and where I play, where I, where I recreate. 
It is my job just as much as it is Matt's job, is just as much as anyone else's job who's part of our church. That brings me to our third question. It's really our third value of mission. My question is, will there be much joy in the city because of us? In other words, if our church ceased to exist, would anyone in our city mourn? Would anyone even notice? You may not always see it, but the difference we have made in this community is phenomenal. Considering the context of where we are, I regularly meet with other leaders and other pastors from all over the country, but then even also in our own city and our own metro. And there's so many times I wish that all of you could be in those meetings with me. Because on days that I'm discouraged, or days that I just don't see it or just don't feel it, they're going, Matt, do you realize that you are in one of the hardest areas of Portland as far as those who are interested in the church and the gospel? And they continue to spur us on and encourage us. I know that sometimes you guys need that. And so I apologize for not telling you that more, that, that we are in one of these really, really hard areas, but we are needed here. And so I often feel that we, as, you know, I often feel that we don't do enough. And I would burn us all out if you guys let me, because I would just say yes to everything. And I wish we could do more to the point that sometimes I'll even struggle to celebrate what God is doing. But let me assure you, let me encourage you, Sojourn, that we are making a difference in this community. And others are seeing that difference. A couple of the just examples is our partnership with the Concordia Neighborhood Association. Man, it looked very different this, this past year, but they still call on us regularly. Volunteering with the C3 Food Pantry or delivering food boxes. We still have a faithful presence at Vernon School. They haven't been in school in person since March, but I'm still regularly in contact with their um, PTA members and with their pre, uh, their school principal. Working alongside college students with the Northwest Collegiate Ministries. Once again, I know all the campus stuff got shut down this past year, but we're already looking at how can we partner in this coming year and how does it look different online and strategic? By partnering with every child, with blessing the DHS uh, workers and um, working with the foster care children. The Portland Rescue Mission, our, our dinners that we do at the harbor. I don't know about you guys, but I always walk away way more blessed than I feel like those guys are blessed whenever we work there. Compassion Clinic, free dental and medical care. We actually have one of those coming up in just a few weeks that I'm still getting details about, but hopefully some of you can join me in that in partnership with its four different churches in the city. are coming together in kind of north, northeast Portland to um, just bless those who need dental care and who need medical care and, and, and vision care. And I've already told most of you this, but the things that we are going to do in 2021 is to take strategic partnerships that we already have in the city with our local partners and to invite the community to join us. Now, it hit me when we did the Fernhill Estates, the cards and, and the gifts for those at the, uh, the nursing home there. For those of you who aren't familiar with this story, there's a nursing home in our community. It's about 40 residents. And with the pandemic, they haven't had any family or any visitors have been allowed. And so uh, through a series of events, we got invited and one of our uh, very faithful members, Crystal Indriola, we want to thank you publicly for just spearheading this. But she said, man, what if we got cards just to encourage and wish them Merry Christmas and just that we're thinking of you? And so we said, okay, let's do cards. And then from there, it went from cards to cards and gifts, like some gloves or some socks or some um a sweater, a blanket, any of those types of things. And then we said, what if we what if we also went and blessed the, the workers of those place, that place as well, which I think is about 39 or 40. And so we, we did that. The neighborhood paper featured an article on Sojourn for doing that. And then we it was invited that, yes, Sojourn's doing this uh, through the leadership of Crystal. But then what if we invited people of the community to also contribute? And a light bulb went off. The people in the community also contributed. Uh, not only did the paper feature it, but then people made gifts and gave cards and 
and provided things that we could get to them. And so it, it just hit me that they aren't willing, they meaning the people in our community aren't necessarily willing to come to what we're doing this morning. As much as we wish they would, and we'd love to have them here. But what they are willing to do is to partner with things that they do care about. There's, there's these things that we both care about within our city. And so on a regular basis going into this new year, I haven't decided yet. I want to talk with kind of the church body, whether it's monthly or quarterly, but we will do things like a coat or blanket drive alongside of the Portland Rescue Mission. It, it'll highlight the Portland Rescue Mission. It'll invite neighbors to join in, and, and we all get to partner together. Uh, food drives with the Oregon Food Bank. Diaper drives with every child. And the, in, the possibilities are endless. And so we know that in a city like ours, the majority of people have little to no interest in church, at least what they think of church in the form of a gathering or a group, but they are interested in helping people. And it's kind of this idea of what I call like common grace. Like they also have a care for those who are going to sleep outside on a cold night. They have a care for those who need a coat when it's rainy and cold outside as we're moving into these next couple of months. And so we learned that the community will partner with a church, even in the city, with a church when they're doing things that they care about as well. And so we want to be really strategic with how it is that we go about doing this with the community as a church, because what the reality is that we get a chance to interact with people and they don't even have to step foot in a stamp building or even hop on our Facebook page to watch a gathering with us, but that we can be intentional as we build relationships further with our community. Now, we want to be careful because we don't do it just for the sake of putting coats and blankets on people and giving diapers to foster care kids, but we want to do everything we can do in the name of Jesus. And so we want to be uh, use wisdom and discernment as we do those things. But all I have to say is that I'm excited about where this could go in the future. And it's in these spaces where we'll partner together, we'll build relationships, and hopefully what will happen is hopefully it will give us a chance to redefine what it means to be a Christian, redefine what it means to be a church, what it redefines a pastor to the people in our city. Because oftentimes what I've realized is people are either just totally naive or they just have a, a maybe a wrong conception in their mind. They, they think that a Christian equals this, and they have this certain kind of picture in their mind, and, and maybe, maybe even a stereotype. And so what, one of the things that I've enjoyed doing since I've lived here for three and a half years is kind of taking brick by brick away from people as they put a brick wall up, or just getting a chance for them to go, I've never interacted with a Christian who's quite like you. And I take that as a comment because they're seeing that the gospel actually lived out versus a set of religious rules and standards that we are living by. And so Sojourn, the mission is going to go forward regardless of what happened in 2020. In spite of the difficulty, God has been faithful to us, and we have continued to see prayers answered, and a lot of good and joy came out of 2020. In the Sermon on the Mount, which we just happened to be studying at Sojourn prior to our Advent series in Ruth, and we're actually going to jump back into that uh, next week because we still have two more chapters to go. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls each one of us to live out our faith. To be the salt of the earth in places that God's that needs God's light the most. And these places will most likely require an entrepreneurial effort on our part. Now, speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, Dr. Anthony Bradley says, The application for this understanding of salt as fertilizer is that Christians are called to go where nothing is growing right now and help bring new life. Christians are not here to merely season or preserve the world from decay. The followers of Jesus Christ are sent on a mission to stimulate growth in the parts of the world that are barren and to be mixed into the manure piles of the world so that God can use that fertilizer to bring new virtuous life. Church, I cannot think of a better description and imagery of why it is that we are in the city of Portland. Jeremiah 29, 7 reminds us, To seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is why I am here. 
This is why my family is here. This is why you are here. And this is why Sojourn exists. And so as we get ready for 2021, we are hopeful for the future because our hope rests in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves, not in something else. Yes, 2020 was a difficult year for our church plant. And it feels like much of our momentum prior to 2020 was lost. But I refuse and we refuse to allow 2020 to define us. Part of that crossroads I mentioned at the beginning is this, that we are rebuilding as a church. You know, I think we have to look at reality as well. We can't just be hopeful and optimistic. We have to look at reality as we are rebuilding as a church. And so staffing and building a team around us that will help us best accomplish our vision and mission as a church, kind of even looking back at Ephesians on if we could get those APES leaders in place in time. Second, we are talking with two large established churches in our city who are interested in partnering with us. And they're interested in partnering with us not because they want to see us survive. They do want to see us survive, but they also want to see us thrive. I was in a meeting recently, and I was told that Portland needs at least 9,333 more churches. 9,333 more churches made up of 100 people each. Okay, you guys know that Sojourn's not 100 people. We're far from it. But we need 9,333 more churches of 100 people each just to get to the national average of Christians and churches within a city in the U.S. And so that means in many respects that we need to be for every single church plant, even ones that we don't agree with their theology in, in, a, in a way, but that we need to be for these church plants that are in the city, that, that we ourselves as a church plant, that we need to endure and that we need to help see more churches started. We don't even need to look just that ourselves, just how do we survive, but how do we thrive and how do we help other churches started? And so church, we aren't going anywhere. That we, as a church, we are committed to seeking the welfare of the city where God has placed us as sojourners. And my prayer and my hope is that you will join me in that. It is a helpful reminder for us that the kingdom of God is our only goal. Okay, let me say that again. The kingdom of God is our only goal. Not the advancement of our brand or even sojourn church. If the gospel is going to hit the streets instead of lingering in our safe sanctuaries, then churches like ours are going to have to organize our leadership around the gospel mission and not simply around our Sunday gatherings and our midweek groups. Tim Keller reminds us, he says, the church itself is a new generation, a whole new people, a counterculture. In it, our economic, racial, social, psychological relationships are all distinct and different from those in the surrounding culture. The church is not simply an aggregation of individuals who are saved, but as a pilot plant of what humanity would look like under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we are to show the world a whole new way of being human. And so Sojourn, this is who we are. We have our vision laid out before us. We have our values that allow us to, to live this out. And now is the time to jump on board as we start a new year. Now, I know some of you are thinking, but Matt, we're still in a pandemic. Matt, I still don't know when we'll be able to all gather together in person. The reality is none of us know. Who knows what 2021 holds? But we do know the one who holds all of 2021, and it's all in his control. And our trust and our hope and our rest lies in Jesus Christ alone as we are going to continue to seek the Holy Spirit to guide every single decision and every single step that we take as a church. Not because God needs us, because he doesn't, but because Portland needs us and because God wants us here. And so church, my prayer is that you will join me in that, that you will join us in that, as we continue to invite the city of Portland on a journey of learning what it means to follow Jesus and to follow him faithfully. And how are we going to do that? We're going to do that by living out the gospel, the good news that is for all people. 
We're going to do that by being family to one another, by being a, a servant of family missionaries. And that the reality is that our family relationships go deeper than our blood family relationships. And then we're going to do that by living out our mission both locally and globally, by seeing disciples made that make disciples, and that we want to help see churches started all over our city, our region, our nation, and our world. And so, Jordan, I'm excited, and I'm hoping that you are excited as well as we go after this vision together. And so as we move into a time of response, this first Sunday in the new year, we're going to respond by, one, by worshiping. Joseph's going to come back up. He's going to lead us out in a couple songs. And just listen to those words. You know, maybe if you need to this first Sunday of the year, maybe you just need to sit and just soak in the words that are being saying. And maybe just let those be sung over you as an act and, and a posture of worship. The second way that we're going to respond is through through prayer. If you need prayer, you can just type the word pray in the chat box or just let us know, man, I need I need prayer. And with someone from Sojourn, please pray with me or, or pray for me. Or if you're still shy about that and you're, or you just have a prayer request, you can send that email to info at sojournpdx.org. And we'd love to be praying for you. The third way we're going to respond is by by giving. Now, I know that all of us were hit up by uh, all these nonprofit organizations over uh, the last couple of weeks with kind of year-end giving, but those who call Sojourn Church home, that we want to be sacrificially and generous with our resources. And so one of the ways that we respond in worship is, is by giving of our first fruits or by giving of our best. And then the final way that we're going to start this new year is through the Lord's Supper, through uh, communion. Now, communion as a as a church, this is how we remember what the Lord has done. And we believe it again. And I say it that way because rather is that we leave these gatherings and we sign back on a weekend, week out, and we, we forget it. You leave your laptop and you go upstairs to your house or downstairs to your house, you forget it. Or you leave the stamp building and it's like immediately we forget it. And so this is how we remember again what the Lord has done and we commit again to what Jesus did. And so this would be a time of examination, reflection, as we remember the death of Christ and we anticipate his return. And so I apologize, we didn't tell you at the beginning, but if you need to go ahead and grab your elements, grab your, your cracker or your, your wafer, your juice or your wine. For those of you who are local to the city of Portland, you should have extras because um, I've, for years I've made fun of those little prepackaged communion cups with the juice and the wafer on top. But the pandemic it just made total sense. So we ordered one box of those. And so I went around and delivered, uh, I think, five or six to um, everyone who's, who's locally part of Sojourn. So you should have that hopefully pretty nearby as we move to this time of response. And so before you respond in active communion, just take a moment to examine your life. If you are a Christ follower, then we invite you to respond by, by taking of that wafer and um, maybe even symbolically breaking it. Or, or maybe when you when you put it in your mouth and, and you, you take a bite, you symbolically remember Jesus' body that was crushed for you. And it was crushed for me and for our sins and the sins of the world. And as you, as you take that juice and as you, as you drink that and you remember that it was Jesus' blood who was shed for you on the cross and it was spilled out for us. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, we too invite you to take this time to examine your life and to respond by giving your life to Jesus today. The meal itself, we, we ask that if you're not a Christ follower, you don't take that. Not because we want to exclude you, because it just doesn't mean anything to you. But we do invite you to take this time to examine your life, to reflect on your heart, and to respond by asking Jesus into your life today if that's what you are ready to do. And so let me pray for us, and then we'll respond. Holy Spirit, I sense that you want to continue to move in our midst this morning. 
God, that for some of us, there are areas in our lives of sin that we need to confess to you. God, we need to repent of things that maybe we got caught up in last year or towards the end of the year. God, there's some of us who might need to confess things to one another and, and ask for forgiveness before responding this morning. God, I sense that as we move into this new year that, God, you want us to continue on, that though you don't need us, you've chosen to use us. And you've chosen Sojourn Church to be in Northeast Portland and the Alberta Arts District and Cordia neighborhood for a reason. God, I think of all the names and faces that I can just are kind of scrolling through my head in this moment. And God, that you have not brought us across paths with these people by mistake. God, I think about the people of peace, the people of receptivity in our lives. God, that this year would be the year that we'd see them get saved. That God, but that this would be the year that we'd see them give their lives to you, surrender to you, and that we would see them follow through in the act of obedience and baptism. God, as Sojourn Church, we give you this vision. God, it doesn't change a whole lot year to year because it is rooted in Scripture. But God, any of it, this is our plans. God, we want to give that over to you with open hearts, open arms. God, we give you a blank check and we ask you to fill it out for sojourn. Lead our steps, guide our steps in where it is that you would want us to go. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.